0: Day, February 23rd, 2022, this is Messiah Matters number 376. Well, I don't have a whole lot to say right now, but once again, I know that's going to change. How you doing, Rob? My name is Caleb Haig.
1: I'm doing very well, Caleb. My name's Rob Van Hoff, in case we haven't met. And it's like uh, 10 degrees out where I live.
0: It is cold here. And, I have my uh, only cloak on.
1: Yeah, it's a little chilly. i <laughs>
0: um, I'm continuing with the uh, with the different camera angle. And I know that it's annoying. I'm annoyed by I like by it because you
1: ne- never know what you're gonna get. It's like a box of chocolates, as uh, Forrest Gump would say.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, hey, uh, friends, if you don't know, Torah Resource Institute is now, uh, uh, you can register for classes for the spring quarter. And uh, so uh, go and register. If you are looking at the chat in our YouTube video, then there is a link in there. Uh, and uh, please go sign up. And Rob is going to be teaching several classes, including critical issues for Torah communities. And uh, what else are you ta- Are you doing uh, rabbinic lit? No? What What else are you doing?
1: No, we're wrapped. We did that this quarter. Okay. Uh, so, see, we're th- doing... This, uh, I uh, should know these things. Second temple era. Oh, literature. that's right. Jewish, so extra canonical. Non-canonical. Non-canonical second Tem- text yeah. from the second temple period. Yes. And continuing with both first and second year greek in second year greek we're going to be finishing galatians reading all the way through galatians heck yeah you are we, we're finishing chapter two this next week and then uh, we're gonna after break we're gonna plow through three uh, chapters three through six one of my favorite books of scripture and one of the most uh you know it, it, just to, to plug the importance of languages you know when we when scholars come to a text and and they have a publisher breathing down their neck saying, you know, you need to translate this whole thing. That doesn't mean the translator understands everything about the text. Some parts of the text, they'll probably understand very well, and some parts are a little harder to understand. And uh, you can gauge that by Pulling up those, you know, where you can pull up, is it Bible Gateway? You pull up all 50 English translations of a verse. Right. Whenever you find a verse where there's just super a lot of difference between translations, like super wide variants, like you get to a verse like Jesus wept and it's just, it's all the same because everybody, there's no question. Right. But there's passages in Paul particularly where it's like very, very different. And what does that mean? It means that the translators are all like, you know what? We're not really stable. Yeah, there hasn't we don't know. stabilized within the church an, an a clear understanding of this passage. And uh, that means there's work to be done.
0: Exactly. So uh, Christina in the chat room asks, What's the easiest class to start with? Signed, tired mom who hasn't been in school since 2017. <laughs> I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give everyone a formula that I figured out when I was going to Torah Resource Institute. Here's the formula. My father is, uh, inter- this is not in terms of teaching. So in terms of, of uh, lectures and stuff like that, um, each teacher at Torah Resource Institute has their own, uh, I would say their own style and their own flavor. And so that's kind of up to you on what you would like or dislike. I'm the, but,
1: spaghetti gra- the spaghetti brained of the bunch.
0: But my father is going to be the least amount of homework. So, Tim Hag, least amount of homework. Ariel Berkowitz is going to be the second amount of homework. And <laughs> see Rob, Rob Van Hoff is going to, by far, be the most homework you will have. It's the most reading intensive. And so, reading, yeah, yeah, reading. yeah. So, so in Rob's classes, you have to read a lot more than you, a ton more than you would in like my father's class. So, if you just go by by workload, when you're not in class, like extra reading and stuff like that, I would say sign up for one of my dad's classes. Uh, and he's he's got a number of them. Actually, the dual class, so uh, critical issues, uh, is what uh, Rob and my dad teach together. That's a really fun class. And it's a good class, too. Usually there's a lot of uh, talk in the, in, the, uh, in the forums. So I would, uh, I would encourage you in that direction. Okay, let's jump into it. Uh, we got a couple of things to talk about here. Let's change this back. And we're going to tell you, first of all, If you want to be part of the conversation, go ahead and do so by giving us a call 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You're not going to talk to us. You're just going to get an answering machine. And just so that you can remember that number during the week and give us a call.
1: Messiah Matters wants to hear from you. Leave
0: us a comment, a question or two. Call 253-465-3205. Excellent. You can also shoot us an email, and that email address is chegg at C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. We've already mentioned torresource Resource, and my, it's in my email address, but I will give it to you again. Torresource.com is where you can sign up for classes for Torah Resource Institute. You can also find all sorts of free stuff. And we have deals going right now on uh, interpreting biblical prophecy and Daniel's prophecy. Uh, which are video lectures, which you can find uh, online uh, at com, And then also, if you want to hear past shows, go ahead and go to MessiahMatters.com. I think we're going to be integrating MessiahMatters.com back into Torresource, and MessiahMatters.com is going to be pointed to a page on Torresource.com. So that'll be uh, easier for everybody to to know and understand, whatever. Uh, For now, that's where you can find our archives. All right. Uh, Oh, the most important thing silly silly me uh the most important thing that you could do for us right now is press that subscribe button smash it and or uh or press the like button uh we really do appreciate it if you're already subscribed press the like button if you're not subscribed press the subscribe button we appreciate it and it helps us it really does okay Now that all that's done, let's move to the show notes that I have, and we're going to start once again with Nelda Bell. Nelda has been a featured guest writer on this show for the past, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks. Uh, She's had some great questions, and we have made like full-on show conversations with her emails to us.
1: Thank you, Nelda. Yeah,
0: thanks, Nelda. We appreciate that. And uh, today is going to be no exception. In fact, she's going to launch us into our main topic. And we're just going to talk about this until uh, we don't talk about it anymore. We got three emails that pertain to this same same topic. And this is actually where the uh, name of our show comes from. Where's the door? Where's our door? Where's the door? door? Something like that. Here we go. Here's what Nelda says. I'm going to read the whole email because why not? I know very little about church history. I was raised in a church where I was taught we were, quote, the church. The rest of those churches were just denominations. Therefore, I know very little concerning church history. The nailing of the theses to the door of the church by Luther is all new to me. I have absolutely no idea who Calvin is. This reminds me, I uh, pause, pause on Nelda's uh, email, this reminds me of me. Uh, right when I came into my 30s, I realized that I had been taught a lot of theology, but really had no clue of church history. And uh, there's a whole story around that. And my, under, my not knowing anything about the Reformation and then deciding I was going to fire hose my brain with uh, things on the Reformation, which I did. And I got some great books and really started to... Uh, That my love for church history just uh, was ignited. Anyway, back to Nelda. Nelda says, "My question is if Messy, and this is in quotes. My question is if Messianic congregations, and or Torah observant congregations, are not the way to reform. How are we going to reform the church today? The teachings from the church quote as a whole seems to be that the feast, the Sabbath, all the things that I find relevant in Messianic congregations." Are changed I can't really find any living teacher those presently being the vocal leaders of the church who don't speak that all has been changed from old to new what door do we nail our theses to thanks again Nelda Bell this is such a great question so let's 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 start let me start and I'll pass this over to you I'll start with uh, I will start with hang on I'm showing something in the chat room. <coughs> okay I will start with the uh, the this sentence. Uh, my question is: If messianic congregations, Torah observant congregations, are not the way to reform, so I think it needs to be said. <clears throat> I I don't want to down anyone who's in a messianic congregation. I don't want to suggest that you your worship isn't as legitimate as anyone else's worship. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, I think that there may be some questions around uh, modern Juda- Ju- uh, Judaism practice in terms of how much has a Messianic Jewish incor- uh, congregation incorporated things that they might not understand are attached to Kabbalistic sort of like backgrounds and stuff like that. So those are all concerns. But ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, a congregation's form of worship is, is up to them. But I think that Nelda Bell is right here uh, in in the que- in stating the question. I don't believe that the messianic congregation. I don't believe that you're going to have pastors of churches say, "Oh, look at this messianic congregation down here that are." I mean, and this may happen every once in a while, but I don't think as a whole you have people say, "Oh, look at this messianic congregation down here that's worshiping like the messian or like the Jewish synagogue." I should be keeping Torah. Like that, to me, that's not where the reform comes from. Um, And this is actually kind of where my stance on the church has really kind of blossomed from, is the notion that, you know, every time I've been in a Messianic congregation, whether it's explicitly stated or not, there's kind of this underlying idea of we know better than the church, and the church is, is, they've, they've missed it. They're morons, and they don't keep the Sabbath, so they're idiots. That's kind of the, the tone that you get. And my point is, all of the people that I've ever met in a Messianic synagogue have come from a church. How did they come from a church? Well, they probably were reading their Bible or they met somebody in the church or they met a friend that said, hey, I, you know, this is what I'm doing. And through love, they wrestled with these things. And that person came to an understanding that maybe they should be keep, keeping the Sabbath. It wasn't that they just all of a sudden, now this has happened, but it's not, the majority of people don't just all of a sudden visit a Messianic synagogue and say, aha, we should be keeping the Sabbath. Uh, that's that's usually not how it happens. So I think the reform actually does come from within the church. What do you think, Rob?
1: Yeah, I like that. I mean, what what I'm hearing and what you're saying, it, <clears throat> pardon me, is that we it's a person-to-person relationship, right? I mean, that, that the denominations are not, it, it's not a box that we just put people in and then judge them by. Like all the people in that box are ABC, all the people in that box. It's, it's we're individual souls and individual souls that are, uh, you know, are new creations and Messiah. They've, they've experienced the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit by faith. That, that, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't, like, check out somebody's denomination. Right. You know, that the denominations are there to help support discipleship, to help support growth in following Yeshua. And so maybe in a way we can look at de- denominations as little milestone markers of, of church history, you know, the emergence of a new denomination represents what it represents a, a community or network of people that have together in love, like you're saying, come to a set of convictions that are that they don't want to negotiate on anymore. And they've, and they've come they're Right. So they're like, you know, we're going to commit to defining this new, new uh, kind of baseline and, and we want to live here and we're going to, and we're going to continue to uphold scripture, you know, of course you have like the Mormons or you have the, you know, the people who add, we want to add Enoch to the Bible or, you know, things like that. And sometimes they'll be real wildly successful, like the Mormons or like with the Enoch people, not really successful, you know? And, and so in worldly terms, we can't really judge by a denomination success, you know, it's about the individuals. Growing and being more fruitful in The fruits of the spirit and for Messiah's kingdom and and uh, it's on an individual level that that uh, Transformation happens. So I and think you're right. And,
0: and ultimately I think that the like the question where's the door? Let's you know I think the point is, is that the door is in the personal relationships and this is this is true and this is true not Simply with Torah in other words You know, we're we're focusing on things like Sabbath observance, kosher laws and the festivals, because those are the main ones that people are going to point out. But this is true in all personal relationships within the church. And when I say the church, I'm saying I'm using that as the broader God's ecclesia. In other words, in community with other believers is when iron sharpens iron. Right. So so this could be the case. Um, no matter if we're arguing on the Sabbath or whether we're arguing on whether or not a believer should drink alcohol or not, or whether or not a believer should, you know, there's, there's a ton of different examples, whether or not we should be doing liturgical praise or not. I mean, there's a lot of different arguments that we could have. And I think that those arguments, and when I say arguments, maybe that's the wrong word. You know, there's a ton of different uh, conversations that we can have within community. And granted, I think that uh, I think sometimes what's going to happen is you're going to have people who legitimately say, you know, pastors and leaders who say, look, this is not what we believe. We got to get out of here with that. You can't you can't stay here. So uh, everybody's pointing to uh, Lee's comment. Let's let's read Lee's comment. I think people get turned away from the Torah movement because there are so many false teachers in it. They don't know who to trust, so they say, "Forget it." I completely agree with you. And actually, uh, Lee's comment is going to uh, play very well into some of our uh, next in into some of these uh, next conversations. So, basically, I think what I'm hearing Nelda Bell ask before we move on, what I'm hearing her ask is, "What do we do? Do we?" you know, what do we do with, with mainstream Christianity? And, and the, the point is is that when we look at the Reformation, okay, when we look at the Protestant Reformation, what happens in the Protestant Reformation is you have people within the church begin to say, I have a problem with this. The, the, the watershed moment, I'd say, in the Reformation, there's, a, there's several watershed moments in, in the Reformation, but I'd say the watershed moment within the, the Reformation is when you have Luther go before the Diet of Worms and he said, and they ask him, are you saying, I'm paraphrasing of course, but they say to him, are you saying that the Pope can err in his his judgments? And are you saying that councils can err? And he says, okay, I'll tell you what, give me a day to, to think this over. They say, okay, so he goes and he comes back and he says, the next day he comes back and he says, yes, not only can the Pope err, but the councils can err as well. and this is like a uh, I mean the fact that he didn't get burned at the stake for that is literally of God. and so this is one this is one of the main watershed moments in the Reformation the notion I that, stand <laughs> yeah, exactly and and this is and so, but he even after that moment he didn't want to say i'm separate from the church he desperately wanted to stay with the church and when we say the church in luther's day we're talking about the catholic church we're not right, talking right. about a protestant church and so uh i think i think my point here is that I, do i see within modern christianity and as a broad broad term and even the denominations that i most uh most align with you know do i see theological problems. Absolutely, I do. But I don't know if the best thing is to say, well, forget you guys, I'm not, you know, I'm going home kind of a thing. I'm not going to I'm not going to associate with you. Rather, I think that maybe through love and and even just love of God. In other words, maybe not even the uh, outright like I'm going to walk into the I think people kind of have this chip on this, their shoulder. I'm going to walk into this church service and I'm going to show everybody that they're wrong. That's not the the spirit of love that I'm talking about. I'm talking about living a life unto Christ and doing it in love to other people, and having people say, "There's I, you know, I love these people. There's something different about them," and then having those conversations. You know, oh well, you know, yeah, we celebrate a, a seventh day Sabbath, but you know, we we love you guys and we we just want to be here with you. I think that that could be. I think that that, but you know what? I don't know. I, you know, everybody has a different story about, you know, how they've come to something or how they've gotten kicked out of a church or whatever, you know, there's all different stories. So I don't think it's cut and dry. Yeah. Anything else on that? Oh,
1: just, I was thinking back to Lee's point that you read. Um, I gotta get, you have a lot, you've said a lot of good stuff since then. Um, it, it had to do with, uh, people not finding reliable, like stable teaching or sound teaching. And that's, that's it. It's just a sad truth. But know? don't you
0: think that's not, that, that, I agree. It's not,
1: that's not you're right. it's not unique to messianic uh, right. domains. So I think, I, I mean, you might find uh, just, you know, a good old, you know, Baptist or, you know, evangelical preacher that feels the same thing about peers in their, you know, in their networks. But, you know? but, okay, Dis- but Disappointments with people who lived a life for many years a certain way, and then it gets revealed uh, abuse, you know, history of egregious sin, you know, that was covered up. And um, so there's uh, th- those kind of disappointments are just in the world, and we're going to have those.
0: Okay. M- Michael in the chat room says, I use Ryan Reeves' YouTube channel as a resource for studying church history. Great content. I, I mean, I could not agree with you more. I have tried uh, several times to contact Dr. Reeves. I would love to interview him. Um, he is, I think he's not much older than me, but he has done so much more with his life than I have. Uh, the, guy is, the guy is just absolutely phenomenal. I cannot recommend his youtube channel enough uh he is clear and concise and he's fun to listen to and uh he really i mean if you have any questions about church church history chances are he has a half an hour lecture on it and uh it's just there i love listening to his youtube channel um with that said i do i do think that we need to talk a little bit because of the conversation that has come up about at, at, about teachers in the in the messianic and Hebrew roots movement and the Torah movement at large, one of the and this happened in the Reformation too. So the Reformation, however, was started by men who were highly skilled and highly trained. They they were. They, I mean, almost all of them were at least uh, priests in the Catholic Church,
1: and they had they had lived with their training and competence for years. They weren't like brand new, oh I'm you know discovering this as I go, kind of thing. They they have a grasp of the languages of the scripture. And that was the con like for Luther, it was like, wait a minute, like reading scripture and letting scripture be scripture rather than reading it through the lens of the Latin tradition. Right. The Latin tradition was this, had become this dominant framework, this dominant worldview, and to, to, to start, you know, to check under the hood, so to speak and say, you know what, I'm, you know, reading the Greek or I'm reading the Hebrew, you are, you are, it's subversive, right? It's subversive because now you're, you're questioning the, um, the reliability and the, uh, the dependability of the Latin tradition.
0: And and but so let's go into a little bit of the history of the Torah movement. The Torah movement as a whole came about from people who were in the charismatic movement and had come out of the charismatic movement for the most part. Um, Armstrong, I don't think, could be fit into that, but um, the, the, the others had come, the, the messianic movement for sure came from the charismatic movement and what had happened with the Quakers and, and others was this notion that we don't need the books to experience God. We experience God in revival and we experience God in, in essential. I mean, they didn't say this, but essentially what it was, we experienced God through feeling. And that was kind of a new, uh, a new way to look at Christianity. And so, uh, there was almost a reju- this happens in Judaism at the same time right the Hasidic mu- movement comes out and says you don't have to study in the in the uh, in the schools you can experience God in the fields and so basically what happens is when Messianic Judaism starts there's almost this push against scho- scholarship and this push against training and because of that you have all these people in the Torah movement that have zero training this has been a huge hiccup uh, huge speed bump for the Torah movement. Now there are people who do have legit degrees and have actually done some studying even the ones I disagree with at least they're putting out they know how to put out scholarly work and so that that helps that helps uh, basically they have a seat at the table in you know they, they have a seat at the table to sit down and have these conversations. And so uh, it's you know w- with the Torah movement, a lot of the, the teachers do not. And there's even a push against that kind of education. Okay. Let's move on because, the, and when I say move on, I don't mean move on from this topic because we're going to stay on this topic for a little while. Um, but I think that this actually plays into it. And I don't know how to say this YouTube handle. It's something what like what I like 2244 anyway. She comes on to one of our uh, videos and says, I can't find the video about what God hates, which I believe it's very complex to say the least. Do not judge is what God tells us. And if God hates evil, then he and only he can judge it, not you. If someone is truly wicked, we are to help them if they ask for it. They and only they stand before God in judgment. It also says to mind your own sins. We are all sinners in the eyes of God, no matter how squeaky clean you are. Amen. To mind your own sins. That's in quote marks. I think that that actually is a quote from 2nd two 2.5, uh, which is not in the Bible. Uh, that's not in your Bible, ma'am. And uh, there are plenty of instances. It's that's right,
1: that's right next to don't ju- You can't judge me.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Uh, in, uh, I think what this
1: which b- is Second Thessalonians <laughs>
0: two six <laughs> yes exactly. Um, I think that uh, what this person is attempting to say is that uh, the Bible says, "Judge not, lest you be judged," and this is in reference to judging the person's eternal salvation or not. Uh, however, clearly, clearly within Scripture, we are told. If your brother sins, well, that's a judgment. You have to be perceptive and judge whether a person is sinning or not. And what are you supposed to do? There's, there's clear steps in, in terms of whether or not, a, what to do if a person or a brother is sinning. And excommunication is part of that. To get them out of your congregation is a part of that. Um, so, you know, I think that this comes, I, honestly, I think that this is a postmodern thought. Uh, That is particularly attractive to the younger generation, which is that it's truth is subjective. My truth works for me, but your truth works for you. So don't try to don't try to tell, you know, don't try to down my truth. And this is not what the Bible teaches at all. In fact, the Bible teaches, no, there's one truth. It's God's truth, whether or not you believe it or not. And that those who are covenant members, that is those who have been brought into the covenant through faith in Christ, they are held to the covenant standards, whether or not the world around them is holding them to those standards or not. In other, I mean, I go back to Augustine in and, and the city of God. Uh, we are citizens of a different kingdom. It's not this world that we are citizens of. Our citizenship is ruled by a law that we are held to whether or not we are in, uh, you know, whether or not we are in this world or not. And so we, uh, we hold fellow brothers and sisters, fellow citizens of that kingdom, we hold them to the standards of that law because we are covenant members. And this is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Those who are not wanting to be held to that standard, that shows that they probably n- don't, uh, don't have the, the citizenship that they claim to. Do you want to say anything else on that?
1: Well, if I can't call something evil, I, what qualifies me to call something good? I mean, it's the same problem. Isaiah right. 5, he says, woe to those who call good evil, and they call evil good, and they call sweet bitter, and they call bitter sweet, and they call light darkness and darkness light. Why is Isaiah saying woe to those people? It's because they're mixed. They have no capacity to judge rightly. Right. And we are called, to, we are called to, to call good good, and I can't just call good good I, I, unless I discern what is good in God's eyes you know just cuz eve thought the tree looked good for fruit doesn't mean it was so in god's eyes right and the same thing evil if if, if am i going to remove all discernment that, that you know we can't um under this fear of i don't know what you know the fear of someone saying you can't judge me um there's a fear of of making judgment and right. we have to be judgers. That's different than condemners. You know, to, to condense condemn somebody is is a different verb than to judge somebody or to judge a behavior. You're not judging their their soul, but you you know, Yeshua says you judge them by their fruit, the pattern differently than what somebody's words are. If someone keeps telling you, I'll be there at a certain time, right? Right. And you keep depending on it, and time and time again, oh well, they'll be there pretty soon. You don't believe them anymore. Why? Because they've t- they've spoken <laughs> much more uh, loudly with their behavior right. um, than with their words. You have to. We have to make judgments. You have to make judgments on uh, you know. It, I know of a situation where there's a a community that has a, uh, someone who's registered on the, the offender list. And it's like, so people have to make a decision. Are we going to go here or not? You know what I mean? Like, what am I, you know, what am I to do with my children? Right. You have to make judgments, right? You have to make judgments that are functioning to support your obligation to protect the values of the kingdom of God. And that's relationship, your walk with the Lord. If you're married, that's protecting your spouse. It's a primary obligation of husbands, your your family. Wh- who's going to take, who's going to protect those things? If, if, you know, if there's no judgment being made, you're just right. going to let anybody come into your house. You know, I mean, it. it we really need to, um, you know, push back on, on the those little streams in popular life of people saying, oh, you can't judge me. Right. You can't judge me.
0: Okay. We had a super chat and uh, sorry mm-hmm. about the freezing. The reason that everything froze up is because, by the way, praise the Lord. Legitimately, I've been praising the Lord for this. Uh, because of people's uh, generosity to this show, I, many of you may know that I have a computer that uh, is, is a dinosaur, which is one of the reasons that we keep having stream failures and our system crashes in the middle of our show and all sorts of stuff. And uh, so the Lord has been extremely gracious to uh, give me a new computer uh, that hopefully will clear up a significant amount of these, these problems. And that's due to the uh, generous support of our listeners, and um, we are we are truly grateful for that. Uh, the unfortunate part is that Apple, um, I, I bought a very specific computer that was recommended to me by the Apple team after hearing what it is that Rob and I do for this show, and uh, I bought the computer only to find out that it's going to take two months for it to be delivered to my office. So... The Lord has been teaching me patience and I hope that, uh, through this, he will teach you patience as well. With all of that said, we are very grateful to our producers and also to our supporters and also to those who give us super chats. If you super chat us live on the show, then you get a shout out and this goes to love is bigger. Love is bigger. Usually likes, uh, this and I'm going to play one for myself. Actually, let's play two. I'm going to play one. For, I'm going to play two for me, me and, uh. Do I have that? I don't even know how to never mind. I'm gonna play one for me. Well, yeah, let's try this. Let's try this. Here we go. Nope, that didn't work.
1: Weights and measures. How rude! Yeah, 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 yeah. Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show? Honestly, I think they're vain,
0: stupid, and incredibly self-centered
1: you've been
0: Been. blessed yes ah yes (laughs) christina in the chat room we are we're all being sanctified as we wait for caleb's computer no doubt uh okay and actually so my hope is my hope is is that once the new system gets here i will actually have everything set up downstairs that's kind of the hope i don't know if that's going to be the case or not and if that's the case, you might, you guys will get a different camera angle. You'll get, uh, you'll get maybe some, some mood lighting in the background. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> going to <lava> be, lamp. <laughs> you might get a lava lamp. You never can tell. You don't know what you're going to get, but I, I, it, it took me six months to build my office and I'm in my office and I keep trying to make it better and better. So the Lord has just, I mean, I'm, he's blessed the socks off me and I still have socks on. Okay. Let's uh, oops. Let's go back to... I because okay. you were
1: double socksed. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, so, let's move to Sean. So,
1: did we lose feed for a minute? Is we did, what
0: happened? only for a very short time, and then okay. it came right back. We got to get Rob on the server, bro. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Sean Fisher, who's in the chat room right now. And the reason that I say Sean Fisher is because I just think that that name flows very well. Sean Fisher. Right? Like, you have to say the whole name. It's not Sean. Sean Fisher. Anyway, Sean Fisher wrote me this morning and he said this. He said, I just saw the title of today's show. And I remember that I wanted to to mail you to inquire about your thoughts on Pronomian Christianity as a denomination of its own. I know that there are some leaders in the movement who are keen on laying... Hang on just a sec. Let me make sure that we don't lose feet again. Okay. I know that there are some leaders in the movement who are keen on laying the foundation for this to become a legitimate denomination. I would like to hear your and Rob's thoughts on this matter. For the record, I am in favor of it because I believe that it would be helpful to Christians who wish to keep the law and distance themselves from the Hebrew roots movement. This is an important statement that is fast becoming recognized as a modern heretical branch of Christianity. There is a lot that can be said here.
1: Wouldn't w- real quick if I may. W- wouldn't and I think we might have touched on this. Pronomian is if you take that into denominations that already view themselves as pro-law, you're just going to have to add more qualifiers.
0: Okay, so let, you know what I mean? I completely agree with you, but let's just for those who are not savvy in what we're talking about. The term pronomian was, uh, is a, uh, a opposite of Luther's term antinomian. Nomian meaning law, and Luther speaks against those who are antinomian.
1: So he was pronomian.
0: Uh, well, so, okay. Now, there's uh, Bonds. Dr. Bonds actually used the, uh, is it Bonds? Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Anyway. I don't know. He used the term pronomi in one of his books, and, but he used it differently than uh, the way that it's starting to become known as. Jeff Young, a good friend of mine, uh, used the term and kind of coined the term as relating to uh, those who believe that the, that the Torah is still in act today. And what is meant by that is that the, the Sabbath, the festivals, and the kosher laws should be kept. Um. And so that's, yeah, Bonson. I'm sorry, Bonson. Thank you. Thank you, Mulvaney. Uh, Dr. Greg Bonson is the one who actually used the term pronomian in our modern time first. However, Jeff Young is the one who kind of took it and ran with it and attached it to those who want to keep uh, Sabbath and those kind of things. Okay. Uh, If you ask Jeff Young, do you think that the, that uh, pronomian, should be uh, pronomian christianity quote unquote should be a denomination his answer is flat out absolutely not and i agree with him and i'm going to tell you why here's why um pronomian is a theological perspective it's a theological stance within the rolodex of theology yeah exactly so so when you say pronomian is it that uh, i and this is not to put Sean down. In fact, I want to get back to some of his email here in a few seconds. But it would be it would be the same as asking like, do you think that Calvinism should be a denomination? Do you think that Arminianism should be? A, what about you know uh, annihilationism? Should annihilation an, annihilationism be a denomination? And the answer is no. It's a theology. It's not a denomination. Now i maybe the question should be changed to do i think that, that that there is room for people within a pro-nomian perspective to make a denomination okay well that's different if there are sure, people I, I think so sure if if there are people who want to do that who want to say hey we're going to make a denomination that that you know believes x y and z that's fine there's things that you would have to do you'd have to uh, put up a statement of faith you know you'd have to probably put together a a creed or something like that to let people know what it is you believe right a confession to let people know what you believe and um, yeah so I mean it, and and Sean says I don't agree well you don't have to agree but pronomian is a it, there's other problems by the way pronomian is is a is a theology it's not a um, uh, it's it's not a it's not something that could be a denomination. Now you could have a denomination that is pronomian, in my opinion.
1: Well, there probably are multiple denominations. Right, that exactly all would, could be pronomian. So and um, and, yeah. and then
0: you're gonna have to ask questions like, okay, well and uh, how pronomian do you have to be to be part of pronomian Christianity? In other words, are the Seventh day Baptists pronomian are the seventh day Advent, adventists pronomian? Yeah, You know, so, yeah. so the, the notion that you would be able to say pronouncing Christianity is a denomination, I don't think works beyond that. Um, and I want to go back to his email because he says, for the record, I'm in favor of it because I believe that it would be helpful to Christians who wish to keep the law and distance themselves from the Hebrew roots movement. The problem with this statement right here is that the people who are some of the people, not all. Some of the people who are uh, upholding and pushing for pro-Nomian Christianity are kind of the poster children for the Hebrew Roots Movement. Uh, Now, I'm not trying to, I am not trying to put anyone down in any way, shape, or form. And I don't want to name names or anything, but what I'm saying is is that you have people who are saying, well, we're going to be pro-Nomian Christians and not part of the Hebrew Roots Movement. But they are entrenched within the Hebrew Roots movement and they're not attempting to disassociate themselves with the Hebrew Roots movement. And so already you have this blurring of the lines of like what I would consider pronomian Christianity as these people want to uh, call it, which I, I think all the intentions are good. But if you're going to be part of the Hebrew Roots movement, then you just need to own it. You know, I, to be honest with you, I don't understand why some of the the teachers and leaders aren't just saying, hey, we're going to reform the, the term Hebrew roots movement. We're going to make that mean what we want it to. So, um, I, I mean, that th- those are the major problems that I see with it. And I would be willing to talk to anyone, you know, once again, I, I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with, I think that some of the, the people who want to uphold pronouning Christianity, I think, you know, instead of, if, if you don't want to disassociate with the Hebrew Roots Movement, then you should just say, look, I want to reform the name of the Hebrew Roots Movement. In other words, I want to take it away from people like Michael Rood and Monty Judah and 119 Ministries and Jim Staley. And I want to revamp it to be something that is that is good that people because there are a lot of people there. There are a lot of people. I met a guy last last Shabbat who came in and he said, well, I'm you know, I'm a Christian and I really, really like the Hebrew roots of of my faith. And that's what I you know, that's what I'm that's what I want to study. He has no clue about the, you know, the 30 year long. Drama that has gone on within the Torah movement. That's brought many people to say ooh the Hebrew roots movement I don't know about that like there's a significant amount of people who just say oh the Hebrew roots means that we're getting back to you know the roots of of the faith You know and so if people aren't going to disassociate with that then they should uh, then they should just Try to reform that That's that's my opinion but even then, you—I mean—you wouldn't be—you wouldn't say, "Well, I think that we should make the Hebrew roots a denomination, right?" So, I mean, I think within the belief of Torah observance, you would have to say, "Okay, let's make it not." Denom- if you want to make a denomination, you'd have to say, "Let's make it a denom- denom- denomination," and we're going to have to call it, you know, whatever. The Berean law keepers—I don't know, whatever you want—and then just have that be one of your tenets within your confession. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've talked about before, you know, we've, uh, Tor Resource has been around for what, Caleb, 20 plus years, but uh, Tor Resource Institute over a decade now, praise God. But one of the things I know that we've talked about from time to time, just within our staff and with our instructors is short-term versus long-term solutions. And really, a Denomination sounds like like let's make a new dom- denomination. Sounds like a long-term solution, but it seems like really, maybe it's really trying to ease a sh- something that really in the short term can't be solved. That the long-term solution, and this is why Tor Resource Institute takes the, the educational element seriously, is like look the best the best we can do, in, in given this narrow little uh, piece of of influence is to promote is go right to the core promote bible languages and history and you know history of interpretation uh history of christianity history of judaism like like with that historical grammatical reading like rigorous on the language front and because it and that's a long-term solution right i mean Like the language classes are the ones that, you know, someone mentioned they'd like to to kind of dip their foot in the water and take a class. And and there's a lot of classes that are one quarter classes, standalone. But the language classes are are different. They're multi-year commitments. And they're not easy. Um, It's like the difference between we're just going to walk up this hill, you know, and walk our dog up this hill and play Frisbee, or we're going to climb, you know, we're going to get the climbing gear and hire a Sherpa, (laughs) you know, and go to Nepal and, and start climbing in the Himalayas or something, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a different, um, a different register of, of commitment and grit, right? It takes grit. And, but in the long term, that's what we need. We need to be looking years down the road and to populate the church with a higher number of people that have that competence under their belt.
0: Who uh, have a seat at similar, the table? What's that? Who have a seat at the table? I mean, whether yeah, people similar to
1: what your point just coming full circle to what you were talking about the reformers. You know, where did they come from? Um, and. It, they had that competence and we we need it. We need that. not everybody in the church has to be an expert on Greek or expert. That's not the point. The point is though, the church needs to be, has to be punctuated with all manner of, of service that the Lord, you know, uses to build the body. But one of those areas are people that are grounded deeply in the word of God, in the original languages and like you say you know have have a seat at the table that's got to be there without that it's gonna it's it's on sand it's on slippy slidey you know um
0: so there there's a lot going on in the chat room right now and uh and really good conversation in there and a lot of different perspectives on the whole thing uh christina says and this is this is really interesting she says i think hebrew roots and messianic kind of function as a denomination I'm going to agree and, and disagree at the same time. and the reason why is because what w- w- we need to define what a denomination is. And I actually think that a denomination is easy to define. A denomination is one is a group of people that have uh, that have united under a common con- one common confession. So for instance, uh, you have 1689 Baptists, and within that you have many, you even have denominations, like right? I mean, like so the Southern Baptists, regular Baptists, You know, uh, you have, uh, uh, you know, you have Presbyterians and then there's the United Presbyterians of America. So there's, you know, and they all they all come together around a a confession or around a statement of faith. Okay, the Hebrew Roots movement certainly does not have that. You can't walk into any two er, uh, Hebrew Roots congregations and get the same theology. So it's not a denomination, the Hebrew Roots movement is not a uh, denomination, it's a movement. And I would say that that's that's the best way to describe it. Messianic, on the other hand, is a little bit different. And the reason why is because the Messianics actually do have statements of faith. If you look at the IAMCS, if you look at the MJAA, if you look at the UMJC, these people have put out statements of faith and they have united around those statements of faith. Now, not everyone agrees wholeheartedly with the full statement of faith. But in general, they agree with those. And so the offshoots of quote unquote messianic, people are, be, are able to say, well, I agree with the statement of faith except for. And so it's been formalized. Um, and a, a perfect example of that would be my father. So my father would consider himself messianic. Uh, he would agree with a lot of the tenets of, say, the UMJC, save the notion that Gentiles shouldn't keep the law. So he's one law as opposed to not. But for the most part, besides that, the statement of faith, my father's going to be able to get behind things like 66 word canon, deity of Christ, Trinity issues, stuff like that, right? I mean, so the Messianic movement, I would say, does have denominations. Hebrew roots, not, yeah, so, not know, so much. Yeah, and
1: we know the denominations have social power because they can threaten to blacklist a certain teacher, right. and then that teacher then has to decide. You know, it's it. Are they going to fold or not? Right. And it's the same thing that came to Luther. Social pressure: Are you going to fold and and take a knee to? Uh, and you know, and some people historically have abandoned. You know, we don't need to mention names, out of fear. Out of fear of, of the financial cost of your theological stance, and yeah. uh, you know, I mean, that's just like that's one of the things that we as believers, ha- as we seek learn what Yeshua means, you know, to to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and and let the worries of the world take care of themselves. You know how how serious are we about that? Are we willing to be blacklisted? By a powerful organization, uh, when we know it's going to it's going to hit us in the pocketbook because of marketing, you know, loss of marketing, loss of um, you know exposure to people to get to get our you know material out and stuff like that.
0: And um, Lee, Lee is right. He says if anyone reads the comments on Pro torah videos, uh, they will be pushed away. There are so many strange beliefs among different Pro torah believers. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And actually, uh, I think that this actually speaks to what Sean was getting at, Sean Fisher, is that, yeah, the, the, I think what Sean is attempting to do or attempting to uphold in terms of the idea of a denomination, I don't think that that's a bad idea. I think it's actually a good idea because basically what happens when you say we're going to create a denomination is you're saying we're going to we're going to uh, put some lines in the sand and we're going to say we're on these si- the sides of the line. And so... You know, the idea... And, yeah, and
1: pro- a pronomian uh, orientation can be part of that, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and so so I think that uh, in my agreements with Sean Fisher would be this. I would say, look, the, the lines in the sand should be l- drawn so that we can see who's on those sides of, of the line. In other words, um, you know, and, and that would have to be pretty specific, too. 66 Book Canon and Deity, I think, are obviously the... Foundation of that, you know, and pro law obviously would be the foundation of that denomination. But at the same time, you're going to have to get into the real nitty gritty of things. You're going to have to get really specific with that. With if you're going to start that kind of a denomination, and the reason why is because you're going to have issues on whether or not uh, the the day starts on sundown or sunrise. Yeah, whether or not the Earth is flat. Whether or not I mean all of the stupid uh, conversations that, uh, that you see in those comments on those videos.
1: Yeah. And, and what translations quote unquote, like, are we going to use the at Sefer Bible or yeah. is that heretical? You know, I mean, there's things that, uh, that have to be addressed. Have, absolutely. And that's going to imply decisions that become deal breakers like that, that provide a border.
0: So, so Sean asked this, he says, uh, so the problem is the confession is no confession. Well, I think that the, conf- once again, going to what is a denomination? In my personal opinion, you can't have a denomination with, a, without a confession. I don't think you yeah, have it. The,
1: the denomination is functions to align people's, uh, aspirations, you know, and, and they their lifestyles, like how they're going to live life together in community over with, without the idea of fear of defection that someone's just going to bail. It's like, what, what is going to hold and and help a a network of believers help them grow in their, in their faith and be fruitful.
0: Right. So confession.
1: Denomination is, is like a, a pot planter. Like it's, it's a, it's like the pot that you put the plant in. Right. You know, it's it's going to hold everything so that that plant can grow.
0: And so it, it, confession is the first step. Usually the second step is a catechism. Not all the time.
1: Not yeah, all the time. A, a means of how, how exactly the catechism functions. How does an outsider uh, 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 obtain and understand the value of the differentiations and the wisdom and the the convictions of those who are already on the inside.
0: So, Sean, so Sean's full comment is this: He says, "So the problem is, is no confession. What if Pronomian Christians developed a confession? Would you then say that you are a Pronomian Christian?" I would have to see the confession. I'm not going to. And not only that, but I don't. Ju- I look. Just because I might agree with the 1689 Baptist Confession doesn't make me a Southern Baptist. Right. Basically, what what you would do is you would say, I ascribe to that confession. In other words, what makes a what makes a person Southern Baptist as opposed to non denominational? The church and the person uh, say, yes, I agree with the confession. So if there was a confession that I agreed with and I wanted to align myself with that confession, then absolutely. Absolutely but the but the problem is is that uh, you know, usually you're gonna have you're gonna have major issues with uh, people writing confessions. This is what I mean usually what the way that these confessions usually get started is this. You have a church that that it, that starts and says, we agree with these people, and we have started from uh, this group. But we disagree on this point. Or these points. And so we're going to write a confession that shows what we believe. Anabaptists would be a good example of this, right? Um, Baptists in general, right? Credo Baptist as opposed to infant baptism, right? Um, issues over... This is how the Reformation got started denominations, right? And so... Uh, Ultimately, these people in a region, usually it's usually starts within a place and within a church or churches say, hey, we agree on these things. Let's start. Let's. Now, obviously, this, is, this changes when you bring in modern technology and the Internet. Email and the Internet has changed all this. It doesn't have to necessarily be within a, a region. But ultimately, these people get together and say, well, this is what we believe. And so let's write a confession. So when people come in, they can look at that confession and say, yeah, we agree or we disagree. And now we're going to either stay or leave the, the church. So I mean, once again, in in defense of Sean's uh, Sean's email here, I actually think that if people want to, I, I think I think one of the downfalls that we have, uh, especially among like our children, you know, the, I, and I'm realizing this is that there is no sense of identity. You have you have people who either you know they're in non-denominational Christian churches, or they're in, or they go to some messianic Hebrew roots, whatever congregation in somebody's house or whatever. And what tends to happen in Torah observing communities is we got it right and everybody else has it wrong. It's kind of that flavor like, Oh, all these messianic and Hebrew roots communities, they're, they're nuts, but the Christians are wrong too. So really we're just an Island. And what happens is the kids have no sense of identity. Like you say, yeah, well, your identity should be in Christ, but Ultimately, basically what the kids grow up thinking is, we're it. And so this is really detrimental, I think, to people who are to children who are growing up. I know this firsthand, by the way. So my my point here is that I think that having a denomination, I don't think that a church should be an island. I think that having larger denominations are really important because you can say, hey, we're part of a larger body. We're part of a body that we agree with. Oh, your your sound is off.
1: I muted it when I cleared my throat. Thanks for the reminder there. Um, in denominations, you know, ideally, you also would have education as to that. Look, we are not we are not the be all end all. You know, I mean, I grew up in a, in a church that was we are sadly, it was kind of, you know, we are the be all end all. And even other Lutherans were suspect because they were, because you have the the synods, you have the, um you know, it's, it's the deeper and deeper into the why, why we are right and you are wrong kind of thing, even within a larger umbrella denomination. So the ultimately, I mean, at, at we have to all realize we're dealing with the human heart here and um and the 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 struggle you know the spiritual struggle of what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ and how does that affect my relationship with other people and do i do i judge somebody prematurely or do i if someone says they confess yeshua that i give them the benefit of the doubt And then just like the we were talking about, you know, the someone who keeps telling you they'll be there at a certain time and they're always an hour late. At some point you go, okay, wait a minute. This person's lifestyle, their behavior tells a different story than what they're just speaking with their words. Right. Then we then it's like, okay. And you get into the realm of like, who am I gonna fellowship with? Right. You know, and and we but denominations are part of the history of the church. They should be not. They shouldn't be overestimated of what what work they do. Like what work, what does an ad, a denomination accomplish? But they shouldn't be underestimated either. I think they have a place and value. But they are a denomination does not define the body of Christ. Right. I agree. The body of Christ is, and Paul didn't have this denomination language. He said avoid schisms, right? Which, um, but. Paul says it's like one body and the ear can't say to the foot, hey, I'm better than you. And the eye to the hand, you know, who needs you, right? That's, Paul uses this human organism kind of uh, model. And I think that's the way we should, that should be our default.
0: So, um, Christina asks a great question. She says, curious, maybe I'll let the cat out of the bag on this one. I've kept this under my hat for over a year. She says, curious on, to- on topic, but off kind of. What are some good confessions to read? So here's what I did. Um, I guess I'll let people know. What I did was, now, once again, I think the c- confessions oftentimes are regional. And so uh, what I did was I s- said, you know what? I wonder how far off I am theologically from what I would consider 1689 Baptists. And so what I did was I sat down and I read through the 1689 Baptist Confession and I said, wow, you know, after reading this, it's quite a long work actually uh, for a confession. After reading this confession, I actually agree with most of it. So what I really want to do is I want to go through and I want to see how much of it I disagree with. So I went back through it a second time and I had two up. I had one that I was editing. And I had one that I was reading. And every time I edited it, I noted it and put it in an index. And I forget exactly how many uh, differences there are, but it's not a lot. It's like 12. And if you know the length of the 1689 Baptist Confession, um, then you know that. Book, basically. Yeah, 12 is not a lot. 12 disagreements, and I could be off on that number, but um, is not a lot. And what I did was I actually turned it into a document, a, uh, a formal document that has. All of my like in the index, it has all of the places that I have changed it and um, what I changed, whether or not I took out words or whether or not I put in words, um, things like that. So if anybody wants to see my 1689 revamp, I suppose I will I will share it. If anybody wants it, you can email me and you can do so. C at Torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at Torresource.com. I would encourage anyone who wants a copy of this, don't just read the one that I edited. I would actually read it next to uh, next to the actual 1689. So that you so that you see where the changes have been made. In other words, I I don't want people to think that I'm trying to legitimately like, you know, anyway. Um,
1: it was the 1689 uh, project.
0: Yeah. It it took me a, it took me a long time. Honestly, should actually
1: have shirts made, you know, the six nineteen project 1619. So I actually,
0: so for a, for a few seconds, I was thinking in terms of Sean Fisher's question of starting a denomination. And so I actually made a website, which I have sent hence taken down, but I started a website where people could download my PDF. And of course no one ever did because I never told anybody about it. So anyway, email me if you want it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's still a work in progress, I guess. Anyway, all right, it's been a, it's been a good show. It's been a fun show, right? It's been fun. I've had fun. I hope everybody else has too. If you want to be a conver- part of the conversation for our next show, please do. Five thirty-two oh five. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegg at Torresource.com. C-H-E-G-G at Torresource.com. We will be back next week. We are always looking for good conversations and for uh, good topics to talk about. So if you have one, please give us a call. Thank you very much to our, what's the email? C-H-E-G-G at Torresource.com. C-H-E-G at Torresource.com. Chegg. Chegg. Jagatory Um And uh, yeah, we would, uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you everybody in the chat room for being a part of our conversation. You are such a blessing. All right. We hope that this conversation, wait, Hey, I'm not, I'm not, there we go. Hang on. Just let's start it. Let's do it the right way. My sound was not up enough. I apologize. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing that is to glorify our great God and savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? You know why? because messiah matters thank you so much for watching this video tell us your ah, i got the wrong one. Oh well comment sorry in the guys comment section make sure you like share subscribe and enable those notifications and we'll see you in the next video